0: Grace and peace to you, beloved. I am Amy wilson Feltz. I'm the pastor here at Morningstar, and I'm delighted to be with you on this beautiful February morning. Our scripture reading for this morning comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 8. The point is this. The one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each of you must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance, so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Diane, we have a little bit of a ringing in the mic this morning. Oh, it's already better. See how good she is? Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts together be pleasing in your sight this morning, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So last week, Jason and I and the kids were able to go to a friend's house to watch the big game. Jason watched the big game. I ate the snacks and the kids chased the dog around the house. And the the friends, people from church, they were so gracious and patient with us. And I just thought about how much I really appreciate the opportunities my family has to spend with all of you. Jason and I have always considered our community of faith to be a big part of that village that it takes to raise a child. I love watching my kids interact with you. I love watching them learn from you. I love the joy that they bring to your faces. It's all such an incredible gift. And I was given one such gift last Sunday when I noticed Augie, who is our six-year-old, walking around grasping a five dollar bill in that way that that children do with cash of any amount right? as if it were a treasure and Rick Kylie noticed it too and he said Augie what do you have there and Augie said five dollars and Rick said wow can I have it and Augie looked at him thoughtfully but without hesitation and just extended the $5 to him, no questions asked. It was a really sweet moment. It was a tender moment and it was a genuine moment full of cheer. It wasn't over the top, but it was cheerful. And I've been thinking about that moment as I have. Been studying this passage from 2 Corinthians that serves as our text for today. It includes that famous line, God loves a cheerful giver. Many of you have heard this line before. Perhaps you didn't know the scripture reference. Maybe you didn't even know if it was actually in the Bible. Now we can see, of course, that it's in there. And I'm not sure if it makes things better or worse. These words about God's preference for cheerful givers often have been used to cajole people into putting a smile on their faces while writing a big check to the church. Maybe that's one reason talking about money in the church is so tricky. Another reason could be that a sense of cheer in general is often suspect in our culture. People who are too cheerful tend to irritate us. It doesn't seem real, that kind of cheerfulness. It smells of a cover-up for some ulterior motive or maybe denial about a situation at hand. It's all so much pressure at times to be cheerful. In fact, telling someone to be cheerful or to cheer up can feel shaming sometimes as if we're dismissing other emotions. Stop crying. Stop moping. Just put a smile on your face. Cheer up. This is not the message of Paul to the people in Corinth. We've been talking about this letter, which we call 2 Corinthians, for the past few weeks as a part of our current worship series, Less is More, cultivating the practice of generosity. As most of you know, February is stewardship season here at Morningstar when we spend some time in reflection and prayer, asking God to reveal to us as individuals and as families What we are being called to give to support our mission of pointing people to the grace of God that we find in Jesus. I laid all of this out two weeks ago as we acknowledged how uncomfortable we can be with talking about money in the church. We also reminded each other, we reminded each other as a community of faith that Jesus talked about money more than Jesus talked about anything else because he saw money as the chief competitor with God for allegiance for our souls and we concluded that this is precisely the reason that we must be willing to talk about money in this community of faith that we call morning star because the practice of generosity is a privilege That's what Paul says to his friends in Corinth. Again, this is a community that he founded. He knows the people well, and they know him. And by the time he wrote this part of the correspondence, which is thought to be at least the third letter, conflict was growing among them and between the people and Paul. Paul is writing not to scold the people, but to remind them of the critical role that forgiveness and reconciliation play in the life of followers of Jesus. And he's taking his time in this correspondence to illustrate that forgiveness and reconciliation through the practice of faithful giving because generosity is a key component of a healthy community. And yes, I said much of this as we launched this series with the idea that when we give, we do so out of a sense of privilege because of God's generosity for us and toward us. Stuart built upon this foundation last week as he spoke so beautifully about the eagerness to give that grows out of a deep love for God, for our neighbors, and for ourselves. I'm repeating these ideas this morning not because I couldn't think of anything new to say, but because these principles of giving are so important in our cultivation of the practice of generosity, and they really cannot be overstated. And the Apostle Paul builds upon them, too, in this letter. You know, sometimes Paul is criticized as being overly wordy. Y'all are so tense right now. Everybody take a deep breath. It's okay. Everything is okay. Paul is known for being wordy, yes? Yes. But he also is pretty good at highlighting the bottom line. And this is exactly what we find in verse 6 of our passage today. The point is this. The point is this, he says, The one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. This is one of many uses of the cycle of planting and harvesting, planting seeds and harvesting fruit that we find in our holy text. And it's a beautiful metaphor for what it means to follow Jesus in general, because it describes growth that can only happen when a variety of factors work together. Someone plants a seed, but that seed only grows under the necessary conditions. Good, nutrient-rich soil, the appropriate amount of water, just the right degree of sunlight, protection from the birds. The people of Corinth would have been familiar with this metaphor, this language coming from Paul, because he had used it to describe the very nature of their faith community in a previous letter. I planted the seed in your hearts, he said. Apollos watered them, but God made them grow. In this follow-up letter, Paul takes this description and applies it specifically to the practice of generosity, saying the more that we give, the more results we see from that giving. More, M-O-R-E, is something that we have been talking about for three weeks now. We started with this idea that a regular practice of generosity invites us to view giving as more of a privilege than an obligation. Then we talked about how we can give with more eagerness when our gifts come from the love that God has given us and called us to share with each other. And that brings us to today's theme, which is more cheerfulness. Again, here in this section of the letter, Paul takes this idea of more and applies it to the practice of giving, describing generosity in terms of what we sow and what we reap. Put simply, the more we give, the more growth we see, not just in ourselves but in the kingdom of God and in the beautiful world that God has created. The way I have come to describe this process over the years is when we are content with less, we have more to give. When we are content with less, we have more to give. You'll hear more about this next week, but I'll tell you now that this understanding of generosity has guided Jason and me and our practice of giving throughout our 10 years of marriage. For us, giving to the churches that we serve, as well as supporting other organizations, has been a practice not merely in earning more money so that we have more to give, but in spending less so that we have more to give, regardless of whether our income had increased. Now, I'm telling you this not to brag, but to share with you an unexpected result in this way of living and giving. We've come to enjoy it. We actually literally derive joy from giving intentionally and generously to support the mission of this community of faith. You could even say we've become cheerful givers. And again, I'm saying this not to boast. This is not our doing. It is the work of God in our lives and in our marriage. Any other interpretation is a misunderstanding of the word. To be cheerful is to be happy or optimistic, Even better for our purposes this morning, cheerful can be defined as causing happiness by nature. To be cheerful is to cause happiness. We can see this concept working in two ways in this passage. We know that Paul was taking up a collection for those living in poverty in Jerusalem. This effort is well documented in our holy text. Certainly the gifts offered by the faithful in Corinth toward this effort To alleviate suffering of their neighbors would cause happiness on the part of those who received the gift and put it to good use. That could go without saying. I think that's why Paul applies this word cheerful not to the receiving of the gift, but to the act of giving, or more accurately, to the giver. God loves a cheerful giver, he says in verse 7 i'll be honest with you and say that i've never really loved this verse for all of the reasons that i've already shared i think that word "cheerful" can be misunderstood so easily and this verse can be twisted to manipulate people into giving more than they can afford or what's worse giving more than they want to give so that the gift is no longer genuine that's not what paul is doing here and it's certainly not what i'm doing this morning What we're both trying to do, I believe, is to emphasize not the gift or the giver, but the source of the gift, the one who makes the giving possible. It's true that no one, it's true that the one who sows bountifully, reaps bountifully. But we must not forget who it is that created the seeds in the first place who puts the seeds in our hand, who whispers to our souls, if you let this go now, it'll grow in front of your eyes. Beloved, the happiness that grows from a practice of generosity originates in the heart of God, in the vision that God has for the world, and in the vision that has been entrusted to us to offer inspirational worship, radical inclusion, and the alleviation of suffering, to spread cheer, in other words. And everything that we do. Truly, the cheerfulness of followers of Jesus comes not from how much we can give, but from the source of what we give. And our cheer comes from being created and loved by God to care for others. Giving is one method of exercising cheerfulness out of gratitude. And that's why we're spending time talking about giving this month during our stewardship season. This is the time in our life together when we think about how God is calling us to be good stewards, to take good care of what we have been giving, especially in terms of what we give. It's no one's favorite time of year because this topic can make us so uncomfortable, but we are a healthy community of brave followers of Jesus, and we are up to the challenge of having difficult conversations We're having this conversation together as a community of faith on Sunday mornings, but I'm also having this conversation with each of you through a letter that was sent through email more than a week ago now, and again through the mail just a few days ago. So if you're on our mailing list and you haven't received that letter yet, it's coming. And I encourage you to read the letter if you have not. Now, if you are new to the community of faith, especially if you are a guest, don't worry about this part. Just think about generosity in terms of your own life. But if you are a part of this community of faith and you are making a commitment to to be a part of our mission and our vision, I invite you to read that letter and consider how God is calling you to participate. And please know that I did not write you to tell you what to give. The purpose of my conversation with you about this practice of generosity is so that you can talk to God about this. And you can include your partner and your family if applicable. Remember, Paul said, each of you must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And as your pastor, it's my responsibility to offer you a perspective on giving that comes from our holy text and from our experience of God in real time. And I'm attempting to do that by preaching through passages that talk specifically about generosity. But I'm also seeking to offer you some tools to aid you in the process. And I promise, Augie had no idea I was going to say that when he brought a tool to the children's ministry this morning. This year, these tools look like this. So first, we're going to take a look at the snapshot. And again, this was shared with you in the email, and also it has been mailed to you as well if you are on our mailing list. We're calling it the fruit of generosity, and it's a snapshot, but it speaks a little bit about what we do with the money that's given, the way that we pursue our mission and our vision. Now, it's not comprehensive. It doesn't, it doesn't include everything that we do here, but it does help you make some connections between some of our efforts to pursue our mission and our vision to the dollars that are given to make those efforts possible. And on the back of the card, you will find seven practices of generosity of our community of faith. And I would invite you to take some time to read and contemplate these steps and then put them into practice. That's where the next piece comes into play. This is called an estimate of giving card. It gives you the opportunity to set your intention of giving with God and then communicate that in a confidential way. And having these figures will allow your church leaders to set a realistic budget. But that is the secondary purpose of the card. The primary purpose of the card is to give us something tangible to present to God as we thank God for the opportunity to give, as we present our intention to God as an act of trust. We will take some time to do that next week on what we call Dedication Sunday It's perfectly okay for you to submit your card electronically or in person before or even after next Sunday. The point is that we're going to take some time together next week at the end of our stewardship season to offer our gratitude and thanksgiving to God for the opportunity to grow in generosity for the sake of something beyond ourselves and beyond our own basic needs. That's number seven on our practice list, by the way. To give God thanks for the opportunity to be generous. To be people who give as cheerfully and as freely as a six-year-old boy with a crumpled $5 bill in his hand. It's going through this process that we each have the chance to be honest with ourselves about our attitudes toward giving. This is perhaps the most critical part. If we are uncomfortable with this conversation, we must ask ourselves why. If we are resistant to give, we must ask ourselves why. If we are resistant to communicating or giving, we must ask ourselves why. These are not questions that we can answer for each other. But it is essential that we ask these questions of God and ask God to reveal to us through the Holy Spirit the answers to these questions as we earnestly seek to grow in the practice of generosity as Jesus described it. I truly believe that it's on this particular part of our journey of faith, the practice of generosity, that we can discover more cheerfulness, not just in giving, but in living. More cheerfulness than we've ever known. Amen? Amen. We've come to the time in our service when we go to God in prayer with our community of faith. I do want to remind you that we share an email at least once a week that contains our joys and our concerns. So if you're not receiving that, please let us know either by letting me know after the service or giving the office a call next week so that you can be in prayer for the community as well. Here, I want to offer a couple of items of praise and thanksgiving for the way that we are we're we're supporting our mission and pursuing our mission one is through the ramp project several of you participated in building a ramp yesterday how many were part of that in this room or, or, or part of the pre build yes it was a large group yeah you can say thank you yeah so you gave access to someone You gave greater mobility to someone. Now that person can leave his or her house more freely. And your generosity made that possible whether you were able to participate in the build or not. I also want to celebrate our Blanket Brigade. I believe they picked up something like 30 blankets from Camino Real last week and were able to partner with a couple of organizations in town to make sure that people were able to receive it. That's a beautiful thing, and your generosity makes that kind of a thing possible. So thank you for those of you on the mission team. Who, who is, who's participating in the mission team in the Blanket Brigade? See? Yeah, let's give a round of applause. This is what it means to be a faithful steward, and we can give in many ways. So I invite you now to take a deep breath. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, disturb us when we are too well-pleased with ourselves. When our dreams have come true because we have dreamed too little. When we arrive safely because we have sailed too close to shore. Disturb us. When with the abundance of the things we possess, we have lost our thirst for the water of life. Stir us to dare more boldly, to venture on wider seas where storms will show your mastery. The losing sight of land, we shall find the stars. We ask you to push back the horizons of our hopes and to push us into the future in strength, courage, hope, and love. Teach us. To be generous in all good things. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.